You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. My message is Blinding Lights, and I thought I needed to play a little theme song, so some of you just need to loosen up. This is the kind of church we are, so hear this song, let it get in your spirit. It's not as good as our worship team, but let's go, let's play it. Oh yeah, I feel it. Oh yeah, some of you better feel it. I'm preaching today, people. Come on. No, I need it. You got to get it in your spirit. You got to loot. Come on. I don't know the date. Come on. Someone's feeling better. No, no. All right, got it. Not all of you are picking up what I'm putting down. I was raised Presbyterian, and it felt a little notch above that. There's no knock on Presbyterians. My family's still Presbyterian. I love them. But we need to loosen up a little bit. The joy of the Lord. All right. Let's do it again, and this time I need a crew. Let's play it again. Come on. I need, come on. It's a big enough stage. Thank you. All right, how many people feel better now? All right, now we can preach the gospel. Let's go. All right. Except, babe, you got to pass me my notes so I can. Oh. Rule number 10 is have fun. You could all be seated. I'm going to read a verse like, I feel like going between campuses, I've lost some weight today. I feel better. A couple moves. Why the heck did we just do that? Here's why. Because sometimes when you feel that spirit of oppression, it can steal your joy. And I came to the house of God where I found life and life to the full. And sometimes we just got to get it and shake it up, have a little fun. Jesus is still here. Don't worry. But we are called in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. This is pre-gaming. All right? This is pre-game. I need a pre-game to get you into the game. It says, you are the light of the world. My question is, are you? A town or a church built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So important that during these times, we're called to be blinding lights. We are the light of the world, but sometimes we forget as Christians to remind our face. I mean, some people, I was just like, I pull them aside and be like, just don't say you're a Christian at my church. (laughs) Like, let's get some joy on our face before you, if you're coming here, listen, you can come in one way. It's kind of like a hospital, but once you get healed up, let's put some joy back in our step. Let's put I know you're dancing at home on TikTok. I see all you people and like you come to church and in worship, you're like this. You get home with your selfie, you're like, you know, you're going crazy. And then you're like on the 22nd row with the hands down. I'm like, I saw you on TikTok. Don't lie to me. Like just, if you're going to come to the house, let's get our praise on. Let's get our worship on. You can start one hand. Pretty soon you go double hand. Then you just, it's going to be good, okay? 
And if you were here on Wednesday night, I felt like, man, we are way too white. Quacha was like <laughs> shouting down the house. I'm like, I apologize afterwards. I'm like, I'll work on him, Quacha. Come back in three months. Like, we'll get that soul injected in. She goes, all right. You know, Pastor Matt, I'll be back and I'm going to tell it like it is. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just being gentle tonight. And I said, I know. I can feel it. I can feel it. Thanks for warming us up. But I looked out, man. Everyone was like this. Whoa, what is that? She was just calling it forth. So my whole thing is that was last Wednesday night. This Wednesday night is Rex Crane. I recommend, I recommend coming early. It's going to be radical. And I, and I want you to come in hungry for Wednesday night. So let this be the pregame for Wednesday. But while we're here, why are we talking about it? Listen, I'm very practical. I'm like the Forrest Gump of preaching. I need to really see what I can implement or do in my Christian faith. Listen, this is a faith house. This house was founded 15 years ago on the word that is fresh, real, and powerful. And I'm going to tell you one thing about this church, Awakened Church. It's never deviated from those three words. Never. And we're a discipleship church. We want to disciple you that you, don't under, that you can understand that you're going to be something that's fresh, real, and powerful. We want to bring a fresh word. Pastor Jurgen said it's gratitude month. He didn't sit there and sit down with all the campus pastors and tell us what to preach. He knows that God's building his church. He's going to see the fruit of our life, and God's going to speak through us. On uh, Wednesday, I got a word, and it was, stand your ground. And I was like, all right, all right. I thought it was blinding lights. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that too. You're going to be blinding light. You're going to be a blinding light. That's what this church is. We're going to be a light sitting up on this freeway, shining so bright. People want to know what's going on in there. That we're going to see marriages restored, addictions broken. We're going to watch people come in and get their life back that the devil's tried to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And so what I wanted to tell you is blinding lights is the goal. But I'm going to give you the practical preach right here about how do we get there? How do we stay the light of the world? How do we stay in that bold confidence? How do we stand where other people want to, want to know what you have and said, I want what you got. There's something different about you. During this COVID, I watched your life get better, not worse. I watched your marriage get stronger, not worse. I watched your kids who, these other parents are around problem, but why do your kids want to go hang out with you on a Wednesday night at church? What do you mean they want to go to church? Well, two, you haven't seen our place, but it's also pretty awesome. But Paul wrote in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, we're going to be talking about the full armor here. Come on. Because I realize that's what he's talking about. We got to learn as Christians to put on the full armor. Not the ethereal, airy-fairy, that sounds like a right thing to do. No, no, no. A consciousness of what putting on the full armor looks like and the why behind it. Without the why, there's no comply. And so we're going to be the church that gives you the why with every step. So practically, you'll know that, no, 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 oh my gosh, I let this go. I didn't realize how important this was. No wonder the enemy's been tripping me up or stealing my joy or doing whatever. I now see it. So if we don't have that revelation, we'll keep doing what we're doing, and it's really why the church has not risen to draw a line in the sand, and that's why I had to probably unfollow six pastors over the weekend that were just looking weak sauce, like, what is going on? We're in a spiritual battle of our lives, and the church is the only last bastion to stand to save this country. And yet, we're backing down. So Paul wrote Ephesians, known as the prison epistles, while he was in jail. He wrote Philippians, he wrote Colossians, and he wrote um, Philemon, all while he was in jail. And I love what he wrote in verse 19. So hear this. This is the end of everything he just wrote. In verse 19, he said, and pray for me too. Pretty much saying, I'm praying for you. Hey, I need some prayers. 
ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for everyone, the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now. He's in a real lockdown. And he's still writing with this attitude. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador, meaning I'm not backing down and I'm in lockdown with chains and I'm still not backing down. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Here's a mandate right here from a man that's writing in the New Testament who's in jail, but he's still, you could tell he's got a little fire in him. And now what he's doing in Ephesians 6.10, he says this, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all, not some of it, all God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies. How many know the devil has strategies of the devil? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the seen and the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I mean, you got to take this isn't Harry Potter, people. This is the real deal, Holyfield, and we are being charged by Paul to saying, you better wake up and put on the full armor, and if you don't, don't say I didn't tell you. And I'm going to tell you, this has helped me, but this is what I love that he ends with. He says in verse 18, bookend it, he goes, a final word, be strong in the Lord. Then he books in it with 18. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Here's a mandate. So I want to help you get visual because I'm visual. I want to bring out my three models. If my models are here somewhere, yep, maybe, thank you, on cue and everything. Thank you. Let's give it up for my models. Yeah, you're like, what's going on? So the military man in the middle, I apologize. He's already married, but I have a single racer and a single firefighter. He's not a firefighter. He's not a racer, but both single and ready to mingle. But as I digress... Why are they standing here? Because I want you to understand one. If anyone's been watching the F1 series, it's a great Netflix show before I had to cancel Netflix. But it was, uh, you know, an F1 series, and I've raced for 16 years. And I love it because that helmet is over $3,000. It's 17 layers thick. It could withstand degrees up to 1,500 degrees, and it will not get hotter than 158 inside the helmet. And that's the mandate, okay? It can take an impact of going 200 miles an hour and skipping across the ground, and the suit will not rip, made out of Nomex. It's fireproof. You could uh, last up to, I think it's 15 or 11 seconds for up to 1,500 degrees. That's called it's hot. The car explodes. That suit's supposed to stay his life. First designed by NASA, then took over by F1 engineers. It's legit, okay? You get that helmet if a bolt flies at that windshield at 300 miles an hour, it will not crack it or penetrate it. It will peel a layer off it. Thousands of dollars, it's like seven million just to get in an F1. The suit alone and the helmet alone is ridiculous over you know $10,000. Yet not one driver would ever dare to get in a car without putting on the full armor of that race suit to get into the sport that they love. This military man who is a rescue swimmer in our military, let's give it up. It is legit. Works on the flight line, does amazing things for our military. Never goes, if we could put that uh, rescue swimmer seal picture up right here. They never 
go on a mission without being fully armored up. They would never think about it. They lay their stuff out the night before. Helicopter pilots don't go just jump in a helicopter and take off. They go full helmet, full gear, full mics, full weapons, full arsenal as they take off, going on a mission to rescue. If you didn't know, our SEAL Team 6 went in and rescued just a couple weeks ago, someone that was stranded that was going to have a life, and in one phone call from the president said, go get him, went and rescued uh, this gentleman, and guess what? No casualties, and no one knew it was going on. You don't see it anywhere in the news, but that they are trained to do that, but they never go on a mission. Yeah, give them some off clap offering. Without full putting on the full armor. A firefighter, that suit, if we could show the firefighter picture, look at this suit. It's $9,800 per suit, and this is just standard gear. Okay, that, that mask with the oxygen can get them to go in a smoking building for up to 30 minutes without hurting their own lungs. They're, they're uh, same Nomax that built that suit, fireproof, but even more insulated. It has coolers, moisturizers, all these things, protecting with chemicals because they're going in from explosions. They go in with an ax. They go in to save lives. But yet they never jump on a fire truck to go save a life without wearing the full armor of what they paid a lot of money to get into to go do this. The other hat that I was gonna borrow is so ugly looking and nasty, it's all melted from a fire and that firefighter's still alive. I'm like, what, this is your thing? Yeah, melted because the flames were so hot, but it did not hurt him or harm him. So I'm telling you that these first responders, these people that put their life on the line, know what it means to put on the full armor. But when you talk to Christians, we're so lazadaisical or maybe didn't understand the importance, the relevance of Ephesians, and we're reading it like it's just another memory, uh, memory verse, Bible verse that we learned in Bible college or Bible school or Sunday morning, but are we really putting on the full armor? So at the same conviction that these men would never not put it on is the same conviction as Christians. I need us to look through the lens of what are we doing? And in 1942, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. In that book, it was Uncle Screwtape, who was a demon, who was telling his nephew, okay, he was the uncle of Wormwood. And he's going through, and every chapter is another assignment by Screwtape telling how to go down and mess with you and I how to go down and, and put the whoop on us. And yet us as Christians don't know anything. And here we are, these little Christians that say, thank you, Jesus. And, and so it just shows how Screwtape's telling his nephew, uh, it's really discipleship of the enemy, yeah. how to go down and wreak havoc in our life. And when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's happening to me. Oh my gosh. But here's what's freaky. The last chapter is called the toast to Wormwood. He's given a toast to his nephew because he says, yeah, this is how you go down and steal their freedoms their liberties, how you take away their democracy. This was written 42 years ago and we're living in it right now. And it's already been written, yet we're following in the snares. And it made me realize, man, I need to go back and read the whole book again because this is a blueprint of what's happening. Just like the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's a blueprint of what is happening right now. Jonathan Kahn, he's a, a Messianic Jew, wrote a whole book called The Harbinger, The Harbinger Two, The Oracle. Uh, and the paradigm, which blew my mind. It's uh, not light reading. It makes me realize, man, I don't armor up enough. But in this, that we have to understand, nobody goes into arm, no one goes into war without putting full armor on, but we're at war spiritually. If your body armor gets hit during battle, I want you to know it's gonna hurt. You're gonna take the blunt force, but it saves you. 
in order to stay safe for the next battle, you got to replace it. So whether you're a sheriff or a SEAL or you're wearing this breastplate, if you will, and if you take a bullet, it will save your life. It will sting, knock the wind out of you. It's going to hurt, probably bruise you, but your life is saved. And what you've got to do, they got to go take the plate out and put a new plate in. Maybe every battle they're putting a new plate in. My question to us is, are we putting on the full armor every day? And sometimes, guess what? Depending on where we're at in battle, we got to put it on multiple times a day. And so I want us to think a little bit different because we, this goes for our spiritual armor. And so we're going to just look at Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 through the full thing because we need to put it on daily. It helps me actually to go through this, to do this literally while I'm at home. On my way to my office every Monday, I'm telling you, like, I get in routines. Every Monday, I put the full armor on. But it's amazing even doing this study. I'm like, man, why am I not doing that every day? Right. And it's so important that we don't get lax in this area because the enemy's looking to take us out. You know, I'm going to read this. So what exactly is the armor of God? If we can put up that one picture, I love this right here. It's just let it just get emboldened in them. This is back in the day. We're more advanced now. But I want you to see physically what I'm talking about spiritually. It says, therefore, put on every piece. This is verse 13 of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. It doesn't say that you're going to be laying down, curled up in a ball, crying, asking mom to make you chicken noodle soup. <laughs> Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be able to fully be prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I want to break this down so we can leave here tangibly knowing exactly what we're going to do on this mission assignment called putting on the full armor of God. And I think it's really important as a church, if we can do this collectively, we're going to see a shift in boldness. To be bold and courageous means we're all going to armor up. And guess what? You don't, you don't take a city by a few people armoring up. They don't want to be released. You know, I love it when the front row is trying to tell me, do you guys want to stay or you want to go? I think, no, you guys look good. Just stay. I feel like safer with you guys here. Yeah, you guys feel good? Plus, some of these ladies are still trying to figure it out. Is he really single? Is he not single? I'm just... Babe, I'm in trouble now. It's not... No, it's not awkward. They look good. They look good. You good? You good. You guys look good. I mean. <laughs> Belt of truth. I digress. Belt of truth. It's a big stage. More people, the better. Listen, the belt of truth is buckled around your waist in Ephesians 6.14. What I love about it, the truth is the word of God, and the belt protects you against the lies of the enemy. How many of you watch boxers and in boxers they wear, they have a belt and it's also protective. But how many know the enemy doesn't fight fair, he low blows you. And it doesn't feel good. Comes out of nowhere and it stings pretty bad. I know I've had a couple hits. And they're unfair. But it's not, there's not rules. The enemy's not playing by rules. Comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10. Like let it sink in. In the Amplified Bible, the belt of truth or the band of truth, it's referencing your personal integrity and your moral courage. That's what he's talking about, but why do we need truth? Because we study the meaning of it, it means personal integrity. So think about it, when the enemy tries to deal you a low blow, don't lose your personal integrity because of a lie the devil is telling you. 
it's amazing. I'm watching people that start to believe a thing that's not true, and they will change their moral courage or their compass or won't make a stand or their personal integrity, the belt of truth. It's amazing. We can't get away from it in social media. Okay, you know, you could be on Instagram innocently and you get this thing, click on this link. You click on it, next thing you know, there's a naked person standing in front of you. It's a real thing that men struggle with. I deal with it all the time at Tuesday morning prayer. It's the next thing, because if you have the belt of truth, that's a low blow. You didn't expect it, it comes out of the thing. Next thing you know, you could be slipping, personal integrity gets compromised. You click on it, you go through this. Next thing you know, you, you know you shouldn't be looking at it. But that was the seed of the enemy, and you didn't have on that belt of truth. You get that belt of truth, you go, thank you, delete. You're not going to be ensnared by the trip-ups of what the enemy tried to do. He doesn't play fair. He'll come at you from every side. You know, and I can give example after example, but the point is, the belt of truth, the point that we need it is so we don't compromise our personal integrity or our moral courage. So untrue. Breastplate of righteousness is to protect and keep an upright heart. The number one goal with the breastplate of righteousness is to remember that the breastplate is covering and protecting your heart. In the midst of battle, we can sometimes lose sight of what is right. We may want to get, you know, we get tripped up because everyone's saying it. Listen, it's common to get mugged in Central Park. That still doesn't make it normal or right. If everyone is saying a thing, if the media is saying a thing, if everyone's saying a thing, we got to know, is our heart, keep our heart protected. Don't be discouraged in our heart. When you let your heart get discouraged, the enemy can now come in. Start messing with you. Start messing with your mind. Start messing with your heart. Start taking away your belt of truth. Did God really say? You know, it's amazing. There wasn't like an affair in the garden. There wasn't a trip up. All the devil did was question God's word. Question God's truth. He didn't come in, try to slip up at him. He didn't try to do anything. He just, all he did was question, did God really say? And then that seed of doubt, because there was no belt of truth, because there wasn't guarding their heart with the breastplate of righteousness. Ah, I don't know if he did. Let me see. And then sin entered the world. It was that simple. The devil wants you to get you to question your faith, question the word of God, question your friends, question what's that church really doing open on a Sunday? Don't they know? Don't they know? So remember, a soldier, they also need boots. A firefighter doesn't run in a fire barefoot. Race car driver doesn't get in a car without race shoes on. Military guy doesn't, you know, you're not a rescue swimmer without flip-flops. I mean, without the, what do you call those fins? (laughs) Probably wearing flip-flops too. But God, what God gives you covers your feet. You're fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How do you know if you're struggling with peace? You're not sleeping. You have anxiety. Your joy is being stolen. It was for the joy set before the Lord they made it to that cross. He saw you and I. He said they're worth it. He fought his way to that. The joy set before him. Where's our joy? See, this is where it came. It says stand your ground. Don't let the attacks of the enemy move you. That's why I give you those shoes so you can stand in peace. We walk in peace. No matter what the devil throws at me, no matter what the coworker might say to me, no matter what my spouse did or didn't do for me, I'm going to have peace that I'm going to make the right decision and I will not be moved. We got to be that church. Because the devil comes in, comes in and tries to question everything. We lose our peace. So we need to make sure we got the right shoes on. 
I'm going to show this picture. I love this, the shield of faith. If we could show that one picture. I love that. How are you withstanding? Listen to this. In Ephesians 6, 16, it says, it tells us we have been given a protective shield of faith, which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Did you catch that? It says all. Not some of them. It says all of them. Every single one. It's amazing. Now, think back. If you look at the shields back in the days of the knights, they were all different sizes. And I love it. The size of your shield has to do with the level of your faith. When I came to this church, I'm going to straight up tell you, I didn't even have a shield. I didn't have a shield. But when I came in, I just got injections of faith. Till one day, I saw a shield. It's like the the veil was removed. I saw a shield. Now I had the choice. Free will. Can I pick up that shield of faith? And then once I was carrying around a shield of faith, I realized that I could yield that thing. And the more comfortable I came, I was like, why am I going to a prayer meeting? That's so weird. Middle of the week. I got things to do. I'm at a prayer meeting, and I'm offended. They're praying in tongues. That's so not right. Don't they read the Bible? I know I don't. I mean, but... I was sure judging it like I did. And then I'm going to church. The next thing you know, I'm going to two services. What do you mean I'm going to two services? What do you mean I'm a volunteer in the parking lot? What? I'm going to serve in one and soak in another one? What am I doing? You know what? My shield of faith was getting bigger. Till one day a friend called me and said, I need your prayers. And I had the shield of faith on. And I'm going to tell you, I should have had a diaper on too. But I'm just being real. Just being real. I was afraid because my friend needed prayer. His life was on the line. But I had a shield of faith. And I said, oh, my friend needs me. That's the type of friends we're raising in this house. And I got some boldness. And we went and we prayed for him. And I had other friends that had a bigger shield of faith than me. And they prayed for them. And I saw my friend get healed. And guess what? When my friend got healed, I watched that shield of faith adhese to my arm. And I realized nobody can take that from me by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And I'm going to tell you, that was my testimony. And that shield got him like, you can't take it from me now. It's impossible. And then it kept getting bigger. And then we started my own prayer meeting. It got bigger and it got bigger. I saw more radical stories and more faith and more faith injection and healing in my own heart. And I was able to come down to the altar because I didn't give a rip who was looking at me. And I wanted God to do surgery on my heart because I realized I didn't even know what the breastplate of righteousness looked like the right way of doing things. And God gave me a new one, gave me new armor, gave me a new shield, armored me up. And I'm gonna tell you, I came back and he keeps armoring up and it keeps getting better, it keeps getting lighter. F1 suits back in the 50s, nobody was getting their lives saved. Until engineers and NASA and all the technology and all the stuff and helmets adapt every year. That helmet's way different than the helmets they use today. Helmets they use today are even more sick. They got the hand system that protects their neck. I mean, they got every technologically advanced thing because, but that's what God does. Every time my faith gets bigger, my shield gets bigger, my armor gets quicker, it gets lighter. I'm telling you, you look at it, faith is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger and the bigger it gets. There's no way around it. I can't, I can't build faith for you. You have to be able to receive it and let that faith muscle build on the inside of you. So the more you grow your faith, the bigger your shield of faith will be. Last two is the helmet of salvation, which to me is the most important. For me, it's me. I love Joyce Meyer's book. She wrote Battlefield of the Mind. 
incredible book on how to protect your mind. Because to me, it's where it all starts. It says to cover your head to protect your mind. The devil loves to dump his lies and his garbage into our heads. And the next thing you know, we start dwelling on those lies. And maybe we put an amen to those lies. Or maybe somebody that we look up to or respect says something and we just accept it. But they don't know you. You know, God gave you dreams. They didn't give them the dream. They gave, he gave you the dream. Why are you asking for the opinion of someone else that God didn't give you the dream? He asked you to do it, not them. So, of course, they might not understand it. They might think you're crazy. They might think like, oh, that's way too out there. But God didn't ask their opinion. He gave that to you because he knows you can do it. God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. But we got to make sure we got that helmet of salvation on. I told you earlier, I go through the physical emotions of putting this stuff on. And I'm going to tell you, you could ask my wife for years. I've done declarations. They're all over my mirrors. They're everywhere I go. I got sticky notes up. I teach my kids to put sticky notes. But you got to understand, I put that on and I declare over myself all the time. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But the truth is, how sound is your mind? Like everything was going great for me and then COVID hit. Guess what? I had new dialogue that came up for the first time. My wife wanted to stay at our river house. She's like, what? You know, new dialogue came up for my wife. New dialogue came up for me. And I had two options. I could fold like a deck chair or I could realize, no, no, I need to take that thought captive right there. Second Corinthians 10.5. I need to take that every thought captive and give it to the obedience of Christ. You can't shame yourself for having the thought because I thought I was all good, but then a new pandemic happened and I had new thoughts about my life, about my wife, about everything. But at some of those, I need to take those thoughts captive and give it. No, they are good thoughts, babe, don't worry. <laughs> but here's what I wanna leave you with because every piece of armor that we've put on to protect you was covered you from head to toe against the attacks. It's a good defense game. But how many know God doesn't leave us there? He's giving you a weapon to attack the enemy. The enemy's just waiting around for you to slip up. God's saying, no, 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 I've given you a weapon. It's the word of the spirit. It's the word of the sword. It's the word of God. It's that sword of the spirit. And as you yield that thing, the enemy, depending on how good you are, is gonna be how fast that enemy flees from you. The Bible's filled with promises. I prayed for a guy, he's a colleague of mine, and I went in and prayed for him. He had a death sentence on his line, he's still alive today. And I didn't know, but my shield of faith was pretty big at this point, and he knew it. Doesn't go to our church, awesome Catholic guy, amazing. But he did call me. He says, I see how you walk in boldness. Would you come pray for me? So I said, man, we don't have to wait till I come to the hospital to pray for you, I'll pray for you right now. And boom, man, I. I shot those arrows right back. I whipped out a sword and put a beat down for my friend. He's still alive today and he sent me this and he wrote me something awesome on the inside. And these are all the promises of God having to do with spiritual warfare. He says, I've never heard anyone pray like that before, but I got this book and I've been loving it, so I bought you a copy. And I love it because it's just weapon after weapon after weapon. You know what, I pick this up and I start reading it. It's like Neo in the Matrix, guns. Devil doesn't fight fair, but neither do I. We teach on Tuesday morning how we're gonna fight our battles. 
And I'm telling you, it's so important that we stand on the promises of God because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The devil came to Jesus three different times to tempt him, and guess what? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. The devil doesn't want you reading your Bible. But so make sure you fall asleep. Doesn't want you to even own one, but I'm telling you, you get one, you start reading it. You start just, even if you pick it up, do a daily devotional. Get the, you know, whatever it is to get scripture on the inside of you because those are weapons and they're promises and they're weapons. And I'm telling you, when the devil comes in and says, oh, you'll always be struggling financially. <laughs> you just need to lower your head and say, you know what? My father owns a cattle on a thousand hill. That says that in Psalms 5010. And then you double down and say, you know what? My God can open the windows of heaven so much sore and pour out a blessing. Malachi 3.10. And you keep writing those scriptures and ask for that breakthrough, that finance. That's a weapon. That's a weapon. The enemy doesn't want you to have joy, doesn't want you to have financial breakthrough, doesn't want you to have a blessed marriage. It wants you to be another statistic. And until you get a little righteous anger and said, I'm done with it, I'm putting on my full armor, I'm whipping out some swords, and I'm hanging out with other people that do, we're not going to be able to push back. That's why I wake up, man, we take a little flack. But we're still standing and we're still battling and we're still praying in the spirit every single day. So I'm telling you, so now that we have on our full armor, you can stand up against the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. You're not helpless. The enemy will not defeat you. I'm gonna say it again, the enemy will not defeat you. You are a mighty warrior called at this time. So stay alert, the Bible says. Know that there is an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life to the full. And we just got to keep saying it over and over again. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion. And trust me, if he sees you with the sword, he'll go on to the next person and the next person and the next person. And if you just keep all your friends and teach them, hey, put on the full armor. First of all, they need Jesus. Then we got to armor them up. Equip them on how to use those weapons of their warfare. And will we see victory and advancing the kingdom? That's how it works. I'm going to read this last time. Ephesians 6.18, Paul said this. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's stand to our feet and let me pray for you today. Come on. And I'm going to tell you, I bring it all the way back to Matthew. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. How are you going to be the light of the world? You take back some ground that the enemy took. How are you going to be the light of the world? With joy on your face. How are you going to have joy on your face? You're going to put on that full armor. The enemy will retreat. How are we not raising our kids to put on the full armor? How are we not putting declarations over our house? How are we making sure that we're just not, what does it take? Put scriptures up, read them out loud. Let our kids see it. We're raising, raising up a generation of warriors, but if we don't teach them, how are they gonna know? You know, I love it. I'm trying to figure it out now. Listen, when you go into the military, they got a boot camp. And man, I'm telling you, I think we just need to add a boot camp of full armor up in this house to understand it. But I wanna pray for us and then listen with every... Uh, head bowed and eye closed. Listen, if you've never given your life to Jesus, now's your chance. You can pull full armor on, but if you don't have Jesus in your heart, guess what? That's like putting on a race suit that wasn't made by the real engineers for F1. 
you don't need a counterfeit. You need the real thing. If that's you today, I specifically want to pray for you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you just need Jesus in your life, I want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you today. Just hands up over this place. Come on, I see your hand. Thank you, young lady. It's amazing. Come on. Once you raise your hand, you can put it down. I see your hand too. Thank you, young lady. Oh, hands over here. Hands up all over this place. Come on, let's give it up. That's what this is about. We need that more than anything. Jesus is that moral compass. So I'm going to pray for all of us. And then uh, for those of you who raised your hand, we were going to say a special prayer as well. Just about receiving Christ in our life. It's that easy. It's a free gift. God sent his son Jesus to redeem mankind. It's, can't do anything to earn it. We're all fall short. We're all sinners. But eternity is on the line here. Heaven's on the line. And I'm telling you, you came to this house on a Sunday for a reason. And we're getting equipped today. So Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every man and woman in this house under the sound of my voice. God, let their hearts be open to receive what you have for them today. God, I know that you're encouraging your saints today. That you're raising up kings and priests to take the marketplace. The greatest prophets will come out of this house. The greatest preachers, the greatest teachers, worshipers are going to come out of this house. God, but you're showing us we're in a season that refiner's fire. You're revealing to us how to armor up today. God, I thank you, Lord, for a bold and courageous church. God, I thank you, Lord, wherever the devil's been in our house, we kick him out. We give him an eviction notice right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're teaching parents how to fight for their kids, that we're teaching our kids how to fight for their friends, how to fight for their neighbors, how to fight for our communities, how to fight for our city, God. Lord, that you're yielding swords for every one of us here today. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're putting the word on the inside of us. God, Lord, that when we flip this word open, those words are going to start to come to life. That it's not just a Logos word, what you said. It's a rhema word about what you're saying to us, God. I thank you right now, right now for an impartation of faith and boldness over those men and women in the house. God, I thank you for those testimonies of healing. God, I thank you for those testimonies of, of wickedness being broken, mental health being broken, dark thoughts that are not of you being broken right now, every stronghold being broken, porn addiction being broken right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing too big for you. And God, I thank you that you're moving in this house in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.